What an awesome presence of the Lord is here today. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the name of the Lord. The Lord has been so, so good to us. I want to thank you for worshiping the Lord the way you do. Because you've made this place the house of habitation. He has filled this place because of you. He can't ignore your praise. He can't ignore your worship. And when Inspire sings, the Father takes notice. And he inhabits our praise. He is here in a mighty, in a very real way. I have a word for this house today. I don't have a word. The Lord has a word for this house today. We had a strong visitation of God in the nine o'clock service. He's about to do it again. But just one more time, would you just raise your hands and entertain the spirit of the Lord because I feel him so close. Hallelujah. Let's sing it one more time before I preach. Oh, the glory. Oh, the been all about what the move of the Holy Spirit is right now. It's about just wanting to be in the presence of God. It's not about personalities. It's about the presence of God, being just drawn by the presence of God. Last Monday, I was in Orlando interviewing a very famous evangelist. It's on, you'd see it on Facebook, but he said to me, he said, Tony, all my life, I have chased and known the power of God. He said, but I want to finish this race well. And he said, to finish the race well, I can't just know his power. I must know him. I need to know Jesus. I need to know everything about Jesus. I need to know how he thinks. I need to know his... I just... this Lord, look upon Inspired Church because we're just hungry for you, God. We just want you... Yes, we thank you for your gifts and your power, but God, we're just, we're just really desiring of your presence. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah. Thank you, musicians. Before you're seated, the last Sunday of October, we're going to have a big old pool party. We have a water baptism service, the last Sunday of October. Now, some of you inspired people showed up at the Na- at the Nashville outpouring and um, and I'm, I'm I'm sure you called Pastor Steve and whoever you had to call before you came but thank you for coming but you all saw it some of y'all in the front row brother Danny some of y'all saw it we had a pool party 
an unannounced, unscripted pool party. And what I mean is, I ended up having to get in the pool and baptize people. I ended up baptizing 106 people. That's why I'm so buff today. No, I'm just kidding. That's the power of Spanx right there. But I'm just saying, I baptized 106, and I felt good. Felt like Pastor C for a minute. I was looking in the mirror, and I'm like, no, I'm not there yet. But anyhow, Bishop was telling me this morning, he said, we feel that the last Sunday we're going to have one real big push towards water baptism. I said, well, Bishop, I'm going to stay over, and I'll get in the, I'll help baptize too. So the last Sunday, if you haven't been baptized... Or you've been waiting. You're like, well, I just, I'm just waiting for the Lord to tell me which is the right Sunday. Well, he just done told you right now. It's the last Sunday of October. We're going to have a wonderful time in the Lord. I'm just excited. I'm excited for what God's going to do. Amen. I'm excited for what he's going to do right now. So I'm going to the book of Isaiah chapter 63. Thankful that Bishop is uh, going to his assignment this week. And I know... I mean, I know I'm kind of new to the family, but I just, I just trust that we're all praying for whatever, the, whatever God's going to do over there. And I'm just excited to hear what God's going to say when he comes back. You can be seated, by the way. I'm sorry. Y'all have been standing a long time. Excited for what God's doing. That's what's been so special. I know we've talked about it a little bit, but so special about this revival is not just what he's doing in front of us right here. Last week, he gave us a manifestation right here. But... The beautiful thing about this is that he's not just doing it here. He's doing it in your cars, in your homes, in the office. He's not just doing it on Sundays. He's doing it every day of the week. There's a move of the Holy Spirit happening. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of a book of Acts revival. Amen? Isaiah 63. All my life I heard that. We're having a book of Acts revival. Well, book of Acts is every day in the streets, in the homes, and in the synagogues. With a, little, with a little splash of persecution. Hallelujah. Amen. Isaiah 63. I want to read a few scriptures and then preach this word. And I believe this is the word of the Lord for this hour and for this day. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. This is a question, because it would be very easy to read that as a proclamation, but it is a question made by the prophet. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength? And then the, uh, the answer comes, I that speak in righteousness and am mighty to save. I'm thankful for when you ask the question and you get the answer in the same breath. Father, speak to your people today. Encourage, uplift, heal, deliver, set free. And let us leave saying, surely we've been in the presence of Almighty God. I ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. Basra is the capital city of an ancient country called Edom. Edom. Different pronunciations for it. It is the most rebuked and castigated country in the Old Testament prophecy due to their attack on Israel. Due to their attack on the people of God. This is the most castigated, the most rejected city, the most rebuked city and country in the Old Testament because 
of their attack on the people of God. Edom is a land of grief and death and sorrow. It is a land of destruction. And Isaiah 63, 1 starts with a a question from a prophet saying, Who is this that comes from? Somebody say from. Somebody else say out of. Who is this that comes from Edom? In other words, who is this that comes from grief? From sorrow. Who is this that's coming out of destruction? Who is this that's coming out of a bad place? Who is this that's coming out of a curse? Who is this that's coming out of castigate? Who is this that's coming out of rebuke? Who is this person? His clothes are crimson stained. There's blood on his clothing. Yet his garments are glorious. The prophet asks, who is this that's coming from a bad place, coming out of death, coming out of destruction, and he's stained in blood, yet he looks glorious. And it reminds me of what the psalmist wrote in the 24th Psalm, verse 7 and 8, when he said, lift up your, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. And the psalmist asked the question, who is this King of glory? And the psalmist answered, it is the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And in Isaiah, the Lord proclaims after the prophet asks the questions, who is this that's coming out of? Who is this that's coming from the battle? Who is this that is stained in blood? And the Lord raises his voice and he says, it is I who speaks in righteousness and is mighty to Save. Now I want to make sure I give you the right word picture today of who's coming out of the battle and who's coming out of Edom. He's bloody. His garments are stained. There is a scowl on his face and he doesn't look happy. He has seen his children oppressed. He has seen their suffering. He has seen their afflictions. He's seen how the enemies of hell have tried to rise up against his bride and he can take it no longer. If you ask me what has the Lord been speaking to your spirit, it's a three word term and it's simply this enough is enough. Every time I go to prayer I hear the Father say enough is enough. Every time I go to spend time with my heavenly father, I hear him say, enough is enough. You are about to see a visitation from the spirit of almighty God. And notice how he is coming. He's not coming as the prince of peace. He's not coming as joy unspeakable and full of glory. He's not coming as the wonderful counselor. He's not coming as sweet baby Jesus from Talladega Nights. He's not coming as that cute little precious moment Jesus that you see in the manger scene at Hallmark that you set up at your house every winter season. No, no, no. He is coming as he is described in Exodus. 
Exodus 15 and 3. He is coming as the warrior God. He is coming as the mighty God. He's coming as the Lord strong in battle. He's coming as he is described in the book of Revelations 19, 11. When John said, I saw the heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in him was righteousness for he doth judge and he doth make war. I want hell to know my daddy is on his way to the earth and he's coming to make war against you. He's seen families broken up. He's seen divorce hit marriages. He's watched children run away. He's watched your money be stolen and your job be taken away. Houses repossessed in depression and anxiety. He has seen even his children that are blood bought and filled with the spirit. He has seen your dealings with anxiety. I read, I think it was on CNN this week. I read an article about what anxiety is doing to our teeth. Have you read that? People who chip teeth and bite in their cheeks and all kinds of problems in their mouth because of anxiety. But may I remind you that the Bible says that there's life and death on your tongue in the midst of anxiety. Speak the word of life. Speak the word of hope. Speak the word of love. And watch God heal you of anxiety today. I hear the Lord saying, enough is enough. Someone asked me, but why would he allow it? Because he's a father. And the longer, you, the longer you parent, the longer you have to learn or you have to know when to intervene and when to let go. I've spoken, what I'm about to tell you right now, I know I spoke in this house before, but it bears repeating. I got five kids at home. One of them is six foot two. Obviously not from my DNA. (laughs) I brought him to this church a few weeks ago. What would you have thought if I'd have walked in here? Come here, Mylon. Holding Mylon's hand. Come on, Mylon. Come on, Mylon. That's good. Stay good boy. Now, when he was a baby, Gina held him by his hand. His daddy, Corey, held him by his hand. But one of the things about parenting is you have to learn when to let go. Not because you don't love them, but because you're trying to build muscle. You're trying to build strength. You're trying to learn. You're trying to build balance. You're trying to teach that child with those wobbly knees and wobbly legs that there's some strength on the inside of them. And mommy and daddy will always be there to catch you if you fall. But if you're ever going to walk on your own, daddy's got to let go so that you can straighten out those legs and learn how to do this on your own. What you have walked through in 2020 is proof positive that God trusts you, that God believes in you, and God knows there's strength in your legs. Because if he let go, it's because he knows you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and come out on the other side. Why would he let it happen? Because sometimes you got to know when to not do something. I got three kids that are in high school now. I can't intervene 
like I did when they were in kindergarten. I can't come sit in the circle with them, crisscross applesauce, and have juice boxes with them in high school. They're maturing. So sometimes I got to wait till they get home. Sometimes I got to sit. Sometimes, I know this never happens in your house, but sometimes my kids fight. Sometimes they argue. Sometimes it gets ugly. Sometimes there's no Holy Ghost in what they're fighting about in our house. Sometimes they don't look like preacher kids. Actually, they do look like preacher kids, but you know what I mean. And Gene and I have to learn how to... Because they're never going to learn to resolve their own differences if we're always jumping in the middle of it. So sometimes we got to let them bicker. But every parent in this room knows that there comes that point where you say, all right, enough is enough. Now I have to act. And that's where I believe we are right now. God has let us. He's And he's watched you. But now I felt like the Heavenly Father just got off of the Holy Ghost throne and said, you know what? Now I'm here. Enough is enough. You sit there. You sit there. Devil, you go get back in time out in hell and leave my kids alone. You leave, you attacked them too much. You criticized them too much. You brought too much. You get back to where I sent you from because now it's time to heal the land. Bless my kids. Prosper my church. And I'm going to remind you what I told you 6,000 years ago. The gates of hell will not prevail. I got the devil. Andrew, come here for a minute. But I got the devil, Pastor. I got that devil standing right there. I got that devil in my ear telling me this is, this is going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. This is going to be worse than Back to the Future 2. I mean, we're going to be walking around with guns all the time. Pastor, I watched that movie two times, and I bought the almanac on eBay. It's going to be bad. I got that devil telling me, and the devil's in my ear. Why is he in your ear? Show me where that's in the Bible. Genesis 2 says, upon thy belly shalt thou dwell, and the dust shalt thou eat. Remind him that he has no authority, no right to be in your ear, in your face, or in your mind. Tell him to get back under your feet and eat your dust. Because I'm not staying here any longer. I'm not staying in anxiety anymore. I'm not going to stay in depression anymore. I'm going forward in Jesus' name. Because greater is he that is in me. I feel a warrior spirit in this house today. We're fighting off depression. We're fighting off anxiety. And we're going forward in Jesus' name. If I had to title the sermon, Pastor Steve, put it up real quick and then take it down so we don't get in trouble for copyright infringement. Okay, go ahead and get it out of your system. You'll care Taco Bell. All right, there, it's out. All right, good. I was a little nervous. We might have to pay some kind of fee for putting that up there. Here's the best word picture I can show you, describe to you to explain what's happening right now. I was raised in Chicago. And in the fifth grade, I went through this program called Drug Abuse Resistance Education, the D.A.R.E. program. And Officer O.J. told us there is a Taco Bell on Roosevelt Road. You don't go there as gang territory. That's a battleground. You don't go there because you're looking for trouble. They sent notes home to our parents. You go to any other Taco Bell, but you don't go to that Taco Bell. It's gang territory. People get shot there. It's dangerous. You don't go there. Well, problem is 12-year-old, 4'2", 55-pound weighing, 
Tony Suarez thought I was too legit to quit. Hi, hi. Me and my 10 size 2 big Z Cavaricis with my IOU sweater that was big enough for my whole family. One little gust of wind and I was like, whoa. I mean, it was because that hoodie was so big. It was like a parachute. My dad wouldn't let me get the MC Hammer butterfly pants because, I mean, a gust of wind would have just taken me. I'd have flown away and not because of the trumpet. Anyhow, I thought I was bad enough. I thought... I was cool. And I said, I can go. That's a sup. Mm. I had that little, you know, what I've been saved too long, but I had that little, you know, the whatever it is that we, ah, uh, whatever that little walk is we used to do in the early 90s, late 80s. Now, I don't want to call anybody out because, you know, it's been a long time, but my friend Brent and I got on our bikes and we went to Taco Bell. We roll in on our huffy supersonic six bicycles. That alone, you know, I'm about to tell you, got beat up. We roll in there and these gangbangers saw us. And they just started laughing. <laughs> they cute. And those gangbangers walked up to us, Brother Rashad, and said, that's my bike. And I'm like, yes, sir, here you go. God bless America. Steals my bike. It wasn't that easy, but, you know, I'm not going to do anything. I mean, just, hey, that's my bike. I'm like, no, no, no. I stole my bike. So I start the walk of shame home. And again, I don't want to call out my friend Brent because it's not fair. But Brent and I were walking. They got your bike too, Brent, by the way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I meant whatever you're okay. And my mom is out sweeping the porch. My mom's never outside sweeping the porch. Why is she got to be out that day? And she looks out from a distance. Hey, where's your bike? And I may have been too legit, but that day I quit. I just start bawling. I'm like, they stole my bike, mom. <sighs> that sweet angelic voice shifted there was a shift she went from where is your bike to where did you lose it I'm like oh my god mom we don't believe in Halloween mom stop stop with the voice she said what happened I said they stole it where I said Taco Bell She said, get in the car. You are not American if somebody didn't own a Ford Aerostar in your family in the late 80s or 90s. And there's a reason we don't show you the other door on the other side. It was a sliding door. Everybody in this church got a broken finger in the 80s from that dumb sliding door. I think I got two. She said, get in the car. Slides the door open. The door says, it's like, it's like, you gotta like, you gotta know. Get in the car. She said, we're getting it back. It was like being in church. We getting it back. We getting it back. We getting it back. We pull up to Taco Bell. 
My mom gets out of the car. I'm interceding. This is where I learned intercession. I'm like, oh, Lord, the blood of Jesus. Jesus, cover my mother. I just plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I am, I'm telling you more than what I told him in the 9 o'clock service because we got time. I'm cowered down between the bench seats looking out the window. Because those are some big dudes. Like, I'm not going to get beat up again. They already got my bike. My mom gets out of the car. Now, I'm not making fun, okay? My mom, you have to understand how I was raised. My mom is holiness, okay? My mother always wore these very long jean skirts that you could hear. You didn't even have to see her. You could hear her coming. Half of this church is like, ooh, I know. I used to own two of those. My mom starts walking across that parking lot. Sounds like Jason coming in Friday. The th- and she walks up to those gangbangers and she said, hey, that's my bike. Those guys are riding my bicycle, by the way. That's what thieves are like. They don't just steal. They make mockery. Anyhow, they're riding there. She said, that's my bike. And they start laughing at my mom. Now, I know you've never met my mom, but you ought, enough, you, you ought to know enough to know you don't laugh at a mom. Like you don't. This is before you could sue your parents, all right, and all that stuff. You don't laugh. My mom, hashtag chunk laugh, my mom would be like, you did what? You left at who? How about two less teeth right now? You don't laugh at my mom. They left. They made mockery of my mother. And my mom said, that's my bike. And when they didn't budge, my mama said, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I like Pastor Steve. This is a new full-time gig. We're going to go on the road, by the way. Started, she's knocked down those gangbangers, picked up that bike. She said, that's my bike. Open up the Aerostar, flung it in the back. I'm no longer cowering between the bench seats. I'm up, still inside the van. I'm not going to get out. I'm not stupid, but I'm in the, I'm in the van. I'm like, what's up? What? Why you want to mess with my mom? What? She throws the bike in the van. And she's huffing and a puffing. And she says, she looks in the rear view mirror. She says, nobody takes from my kids what belongs to them. Now I told you that story. Because the, that nasty old devil has provoked my heavenly father. And I got news for you, devil. My dad's not happy. He's left his throne and he's coming down here to get my bike back, get my money back, get my joy back, get my health back. And I heard the father say, nobody takes from my kids what belongs to them. Give them praise in the house. I've come to serve notice on hell today. My daddy is coming after you. My father is coming after you. And he's coming to get back our stuff. He's coming to get back what belongs to the people of God. He's getting our sleep back. He's getting our joy back. He's getting our happiness back. He's getting our country back. He's getting our church back. Our anointing back. Our praise back. Our wa- He's getting it back. Give him praise.
praise in this house. I got to hurry. Why are his garments stained crimson red? Why are they bloody? Isaiah 63 describes him coming with bloody stained garments. And when I first read it, there's no way that you can be a Christian and read that and not think about the blood of Jesus. There's no way that you read that and you don't start singing to yourself. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is power, wonder working. I mean, so that's the first thing that comes to me. So I'm reading this and I start thanking God for the blood. I started worshiping God for the blood of the Lamb of God. The only begotten Son of the Father that was slain from the foundation of the earth. I was thanking God for the blood because the Bible says that by His stripes we are healed. I was in praise, my brother Robert, about the blood when I felt the check in my spirit. And the Lord said, you ought to shout about this blood, but this is different blood. It's still worth shouting about. It's still worth rejoicing about. But this isn't the blood that you think it is. This isn't the blood that paid the price for your sin. This isn't the blood from the stripes of his back by which you are healed. This isn't the atoning blood. This is a different blood. Now you still ought to shout about it. You still ought to get excited about it. But make no mistake what blood it is. This is the blood of the enemies of which God has fought against. He has come out of a battle and there's blood on his garments because he didn't just fight the battle. He won the battle. He didn't just knock your enemy down. He de- I wish you thank God today because God has come out of Edom with evidence on his garments. I won the battle. I slayed the giant. I got your healing. I got your miracle. I You ought to shout about this blood because this is not the blood of the lamb. This is the blood of our enemies because this warrior God, this God strong in battle has come out of defeat. He has come out of death. He has come out of sickness. He's come out of anxiety and he's got blood on his garments because he went to fight and win for you. Listen to what verse three says. I have trodden the winepress alone. And of the people, there was none with me. So I will tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury and their blood. What he's saying is, I went to see if anybody wanted to fight with me. And I couldn't find anybody. Searched high and low. Still couldn't find nobody. And so when I couldn't find anybody to fight with me, God said, I'll just do this one on my own. I'll fight alone if I have to. But I'm going to win the battle for my kids. If no one else wants to fight. If no other church in America wants to fight. If every denomination wants to keep arguing with themselves, let them argue. But I'm coming down to win this battle for my children. I'm coming down to rebuke and resist the enemy. And I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy victory for my children. I'm going to get their And he says, I'm going to trample them, not you, them. 
What's them? Everything that has held you hostage. Everything that has attacked you. Everything that has kept you up at night. Every demon of hell that's been whispering. I almost said stupid. Every demon of hell that's been whispering things in your mind and in your ear. He says, I'm going to trample those things. And I'm going to put them under my feet. I want this week when the enemy tries to rise up against you. I want you to put them back under your feet. And say, you must have forgot. My daddy already came and got my bike back. For the day... I'm coming to a close. For the day of vengeance is in my heart. For everyone saying, when's he going to make it right? How long is he going to wait? I've been waiting and waiting. God says, I got vengeance in my heart. I'm going to come back and win the battle for you. I'm coming. I know this isn't a cute, sweet Whatever kind of a sermon. I know this one sounds a little more violent. But that's because the violent take it by force. And hell has risen up against us violently this season. Hell has tried everything to destroy us. But look at you. You're still standing by the grace of God. Proving that no weapon formed against you. Not a virus. Not a fake recession. Not a political battle. Not racial inequality. Not sickness. Not division. Nothing cannot. It doesn't matter what's it will not prosper he took his best shot and you're still standing because God favors you give a praise think about everything you've had to live through this year think about everything you've been through Look at you walking in here with a praise and a tithe and an offering and a shout. Look at you. You were walking back in here in July all by yourself. Now you got a whole row of family and a whole row of friends. Look at you. You walked in here angry and now you're rejoicing and you're smiling and you're joking. You walked in here talking about donkeys and elephants and now you talk about lions and lambs. Look at you. You walked in here talking about a virus and now you're talking about a healer. Look what the Lord has done in your life over the last 11 weeks. Sometimes you have to think. Sometimes you got to think. Look at what I survived. Steve? One day I'll learn your name. Or go ahead and just change it to Steve. It would be easier for me. Steve, we survived a lot. And one day I'm going to look in the mirror, not in some arrogant way, but I'm going to realize, oh, Okay. I'm not what hell said I was. I'm not a mistake. I'm not, I, I, I'm not condemned to die in, in, a, in a devil's hell. I'm not, I'm not what I used to be. I'm strong and mighty. I'm strong in battle because the spirit of almighty God is on the inside of me. I am the righteousness of God. I am who my dad says I am. I'm part of a heavenly father, heavenly family because of a heavenly father. And I got a name on my life that's greater than COVID. It's greater than poverty. It's greater than sickness. It's greater than leukemia. I got a name at which every knee shall 
bow and every tongue shall confess. I got the name of Jesus. Look at who I am. That doesn't mean I want to live through it again, Brother Andrew. It's because I survived. It doesn't mean I want to do that thing again. Four years ago today, I was at MD Anderson with my three children, meeting with the counselor, prepping them because their mother would pass away a day and a half later. Four years ago today. It's funny how God will bring you back to this place just like that. I was a mess four years ago. I didn't know what I was going to do with my family four years ago today. I didn't know how to explain to three babies what we were about to live through three year, four years ago today. I didn't know what my future held four years ago today. I was trying. I was speaking. I was pushing. But I had no clue what tomorrow held for me four years ago today. But I stand in the same city four years later and I've made a mockery of hell. I've made a mockery of leukemia. I've made a mockery of the spirit of infirmity. You picked on the wrong family because now we serve the Lord with more fanaticism. We serve the Lord with more boldness, more strength. My children are baptized. My children are full of the Holy Ghost. My family serves the Lord. I got remarried. Now there's seven of us that's seven times greater. Seven times does that mean I want to live through it again? No, but I made it out because the Lord, strong and mighty, fought the battle for me. Stand with me in this house. Next week, next Sunday, is my birthday. I'm going to come preach on my birthday. If you sing, hey, Tony, it's your birthday, I'll allow it. Don't actually do that. He was getting ready. He's like, yeah, a prep track too. Please, no, don't do that. If you want to eat a cupcake, I'll allow it. Just don't give it to me. I'm trying to, you know. Him and I aren't eating cupcakes next week, but someone eat one for us. <laughs> what did she say? Ice cream cake. I'll allow it. I will do ice cream cake. My God, how'd you know what my vice was? Mercy. Stop reading my mail. I have lived through the valley of the shadow of death. But I'm going to stand here next Sunday on my birthday. I'm going to give God the very best praise I've given him in 40 years. Eunice is coming to sing, but I'm coming to praise God. I'm gonna make a mockery, a spectacle of the enemy because this is this is how that word ends. I had to get this in before I leave. For the day of vengeance is my is in my heart, saith the Lord, and the year of the redeemed has come. The year just changed on the Hebrew calendar this past week. We just stepped into a new year, and I declare it to be the year of the redeemed. He's going to redeem your money. He's going to redeem your salvation. He's going to redeem, redeem your dance and your shout and your praise and your anointing. Everything you've lived through, God is about to redeem it. And to every one of you that says, Pastor, I don't have a fight left in me. 
I don't have a shout left in me. I don't have it left in me. For you Spanish speakers that say, Pastor, estoy cansado del camino. Esta palabra es para ti. This word is for you. When God decided to make things right in Isaiah 63, he didn't wait for you. He didn't wait for me. He didn't wait for Israel. He stood up and he said, I'm doing this all by myself. I prophesy to you, the next victory that's coming to your coming your way, it won't have your fingerprints on it. It's going to have God's fingerprints all over it because you won't have to open the door. You won't have to fight the battle. You won't have to raise the sword because the Lord's strong and mighty. The Lord's strong in battle is descending from his holy hill. He says enough is enough. I'm going to get back your joy. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get it. What? what God does in this season if we were in the old church and we're not singing it today but if we were in the old church I'd remind the devil that old song we used to sing I I command you Satan in the name of the Lord take up your weapons and flee for the Lord hath given me authority to walk all over thee that's what I'm doing all week every time because you know you know he's gonna you know he's gonna rise up and I'm just gonna remind him I command you Satan in the name of the Lord take up your weapons and flee that means pack it up COVID depression and pack it up for the Lord hath given me authority to walk all over thee. I'm going to walk on hell this week and say, you're under my feet. You're under my feet. Greater is he that is in me that's in So let me, Pastor, ooh, Pastor Andrew's coming to take the mic right now. Let me make one prophetic declaration, then Pastor Andrew's coming. Every enemy of hell, hear my voice today. I call on every demonic force. Don't get scared. Let me do what I got to do. Every demonic spirit, every spirit of oppression, every spirit that has hindered, attacked, and tried to take on the children, the young people, the adults, the, the marriages, every spirit of hell, hear my voice and stand still. You got one shot to pack it up and go. And if you don't, By this time tomorrow, my heavenly father's coming to defeat you and he'll have your blood on his garments and he'll let us know he's won the battle one more. Go in Jesus name. Every spirit of anxiety, every spirit of depression, every spirit of lack, every spirit of poverty, every spirit of every spirit of sick. Go in Jesus name. I declare the people of God are free. 